Welcome back to Many Windows, the podcast for educators, parents, and the general population to discuss education. My name is John Cassie, and I'm joined as always by my dear friend and co-host, Jennifer McLemory. How's it going, Jen? Good. Good to see you again. Again. It's great, as always. As always. Now, uh, we were in the middle of a conversation with Sam's mother, Jen. Mm-hmm. Sam, listeners, as you recall, uh, the student that we uh, worked with, interviewed in the first two episodes of this season, and last time... We got a chance to chat with Jen about her coming to awareness and coming into her expertise. Yeah. And what we're going to hear in this episode is how that expertise sort of expresses itself uh, in interacting with schools and interacting with the the broader community. And we're going to end with uh, Jen providing our listeners with a number of pieces of good and salient advice for... Uh, for every listener of this show uh, to share on with with others. So why don't we get started with Jen. And my understanding is that this clip is sort of starting to interact with some of those school questions. Yeah, so, you know, uh, I'm going to take all the credit on uh, Sam well, having you... such a great experience her eighth grade year yeah, at my well, school. Well, you deserve uh, it. Good, good. Yeah. Okay, let's just get that out there that... Um, but I was curious, um, and I asked her mom, I asked Jen, what was it like for her? Because Sam just had so many negative things to say about her old school. We didn't air any of those, um, even though Sam was really excited about um, the, the idea that they might be aired because she really wanted to, her term was throw shade on <laughs> this school that she went to. But I wanted to get her mom's perspective. Like, yeah. what is what is it like for people who are um, trying to go through, go on this journey, make these decisions as Jen did in the whole first, um, you know, first part of this interview talks about listening to the therapist, listening to the doctor, going to support groups, getting advice and just following that advice. I said, what was it like for her? The, what was it like for Sam being in school and trying to make that transition at a school that she had been at um, with kids she had known for most of her life. Right. And it was, I know from Sam that it was rough. So here's what Jen has to say about that. Okay. I kind of wish that um, we, like I could go back in time and actually see if the school was prepared to handle it. I, I don't know that they were or weren't because we weren't dealing with, um, like she came out, she said she was trans, but then she didn't do anything mm. after that. And so we were just dealing with the suicidal ideation mm. and her saying what she said to that class that one time. And um, then as we, that was the first semester. And as we were getting to a close in the first semester, um, I talked to the therapist at the time about um, a 504 plan or, you know, being evaluated to have an IEP. And so I talked to the counselor. And this is how small a world it is. The counselor's husband teaches at one of our elementary schools here. And so, <laughs> I know, right? So she and I have a great relationship. And um, she was like, you want a 504 plan? Not a problem. It, let's have a meeting. And so we, have a, we had the meeting and like four or five of the teachers showed up, which was great. It was right before school started, 730 in the morning. I was really grateful who showed up. And I said to them, 
you know, Sam's kind of in transition right now. I didn't say transgender. I just said transition. Mm. I said she wants to start wearing, um, like, sweats and stuff from the store pink. But so she's wearing gray and blue from the store pink, but it says pink on it. Therefore, she's identifying as female, I guess. I don't know. But the teacher's like, okay, that's fine. We've had kids here before who, you know, we will, that's fine. But the thing that killed me is that she started having a lot of non-suits in the second semester. And like the teacher never reached out, the PE mm, teacher. Mm. She never, I don't, I can't even remember if she was at the 504 meeting, but like, if she had seen any of the documentation, I think, anyway, whatever. Mm, mm. But I did see her at open house, and I said, um, and that was still two months before school ended. And I said, um, you know, Sam is transgender. Um, we, are, we, we have an appointment with Children's Hospital, but it's not, you know, nothing's going to be really changing major time right now um, in the next couple months. But she really is embarrassed to be changing with the boys in the mm. boys' locker room. She doesn't want to see it. She doesn't want to be near it. She just is like in that part of her body. She's super embarrassed mm. about. She wishes it could just go away. And um, I said, so can she? Is there anywhere she can change? And um, she said, yeah. There's a place that like a little side ro- locker room or something where like the competing team, like if they're hosting. I'm like, really? You have like the home team and the away team? This is middle school. But anyway, so there was a place for her to change. And I told Sam about it, but she still wouldn't do it. And so she still kept getting non suits. It's like, God, how do you get a D in PE? But, um. Well, I mean, this goes to the if I go into that other room, then I'm going to just. I mean, this is the seventh grade. Yeah. So right? this, this, is, this is seventh grade. This is where everything is coming to a head if you will sam is going to children's hospital she's going to a therapist she's making the decision uh she started the hormone blocker right um and so she's going for it and yet and it sounded like most of the teachers there and again it's easy in math class it's easy in english class where does the rubber meet the road it's in pe class where they have to change clothes right right and that's why at my school, even in eighth grade, some of the concerns I had and that Jen had was choir, where they're changing costumes sure, and changing sure. clothes as well. So it's PE, and, and in eighth grade it was choir. For Sam, it really all was about that locker room experience. Right, which is a common experience for many kids who are trans-identified. Yeah. And... Middle school is such a period of heightened awkwardness, mm-hmm. right, that uh, undoubtedly there are, there were 10 other kids in those locker rooms who would have described themselves as dreading mm-hmm. P.E. for any number of other reasons. Um, and... I think that's a great underestimate. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true, right? You know, but but certainly going into another locker room. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's not it's not an answer. Yeah. Right. Because it's not the right. It is an answer because it's the answer that they that has been tried for the last ten years. It's just not the right answer. Yeah. 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 It it it's not a it's not a legitimate answer yeah. because no. It, you you ought to have enough presence of mind. <laughs> to remember your own horrified experiences of being in middle school PE. Yeah. And 
if you didn't have those experiences, you ought to at least have enough empathy to realize lots of other people in those rooms that you were comfortable in weren't. Yeah. And so, yeah. Um, so what did, what was the, so what was the outcome? So Where do we go Jen from here? goes on to talk about how she learned a little bit more. Uh-huh. About this issue of change, where where to change the old changing yes. rooms question. Okay, and so let's let's continue. And I was talking to one of the parents who I know, who's a teacher over at the high school, and her wife. And um, the wife I didn't know has this huge background with the LGBT community and she's like do you know the law says if she wants to go change in the girls locker room she can and I'm like huh that's so weird you know I was like getting all like thinking about my um my younger daughter going I would hate it if some boy were to Mm. walk in and blah 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 and then I realized like it's when Sam was telling me how like she doesn't that part of her down the genitalia part is like so um uh, that's where the dysphoria, like part of the dysphoria comes from. Some people who are trans, I guess the genitalia doesn't matter, but she wants that gone. And I'm like, honey, you have to wait till you're 18. So sorry. Can't do anything. That's supposedly what the doctor said insurance does or whatever. Um, they say like not till you're 18. She's starting to make the physical transition. So she's a, so now she's a girl in the boys locker room. Right surrounded by these things that she hates yes and that can't help but be both profoundly uh, discomforting in the moment Mm -hmm. but then there's the after effect that goes through the rest of the day or perhaps you know into the evening or what have you and then just as that goes away there's the dread Mm -hmm. rising uh, into whenever the next class is going to be. And it's this kind of uh, cycle of of anxiety Mm -hmm. and dread that, I mean, who who could put up with that? Who could deal with that? Certainly an adult would struggle with it. Right. And what do you you think is going to happen with a seventh grader? Yeah. 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 So then, then Jen talks about um, uh, learning that she can request a legal name change and uh-huh. uh, gender change. So okay. let's hear. Let's, let's hear what hear she has to say about that. about that. Little did I know that in that district, you can actually a child can go and ask the the counselor to change their name in their student information database, so that the teachers know this is the their preferred name. Okay. So she came. I remember she came to my school already with the name Samantha and the gender marker female. Right. So Jen here is talking about how she then she learned that oh she could have requested that. At her old school and her old district, yeah, that she didn't have to go to a different school altogether in order to make that change from you know one grade to the next, or even in the middle of the year. But right. I think yeah, Jen had the same again as we're talking about uh, our generation and some of our misconceptions that we have. Right, and I think sometimes we can be too slow to move on things and overly cautious. And we think Uh that we're doing that to protect 
right. the kids or we that's what we tell ourselves. Right. When in reality, uh, it's not protecting them uh, or we're protecting the wrong kids, the kids that don't need to be protected. Right. Or we're protecting ourselves or we're... We're so worried uh, about what the other parents are going to say. Right. Or what other, you know, what other schools are going to say or... Uh, you know, if you're if you're a principal, you know you have you have supervisors as well. Will they understand? Am I going to be supported? You know these kinds of questions, and they're not germane to the need of a kid who needs the school to act in a certain way. Um, and we have to get better at acting more uh, sort of deliberately, mm-hmm. right? A little bit more um, intentionally and not always sort of ruminating, mm-hmm. right? Um, oftentimes in leadership, we're told, don't be in a hurry to make a decision about things, right? There's very There are many issues that are actually better answered if you let it percolate a little bit. Right. Let it let the answer emerge. But in some cases, that's just not that's not the case. And we need to take wisdom from young people. Yeah. And or people that have actually lived this. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. It's so true. And I think I even I'm not one. Malcolm Gladwell wrote that whole book blank yeah sure right the idea that you're gonna just make a quick decision and that uh so often that ends up being the right one i don't i i'm not comfortable necessarily doing that now i don't think i spend too much time mulling things over but i like to have a little bit of time before i make a decision on certain things if i'm unsure right yeah i'm gonna feel worse about a decision that i take quickly that goes wrong than I am about a decision that I was deliberate about that went wrong. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's just me, mm-hmm. but that's where that's kind of how I'm wired. Yeah. Well, you know, um, we all have lived through the pandemic uh, now and have a global perspective about right <laughs> about that and. Right. Um, I'm thinking about how difficult that was at the very beginning as we're trying to make decisions, huge decisions for our schools, school right. being open or shut. You right. know, um, as soon as the decision was made to shut the schools, I literally made that announcement on on the um, on the intercom for the kids at about five minutes to three on a Friday and said, okay, we're going to be closed for the next couple of weeks. You know, spring break is starting early, essentially, because we had one more week and then we were going to have spring break. Got it. So we're not going to be at school next week. So, you know, stay tuned and I'll let you know what's going to happen. And then um, when we, you know, and then the next week we all had this order to stay uh, stay safer at home, you know, stay yep. inside yep. and the face masks and all of those. And we're trying to, all the leaders uh, in school and all the leaders of um, the globally uh, political leaders are trying to make decisions without all of the information, with a little bit of information and having to make quick decisions, right? Um, and so I was thinking about how hard it was 
to make these decisions. Like I, kids were telling me they had left things in their lockers that they needed. You know, right. mom, parents were telling my child has special, really expensive inserts in their tennis shoes that are in their PE locker. I need to come get that. You know, students are like, I left my textbook that I need to do my work in my locker. Right, right. And so I'm trying to set up a way that they can safely come on campus and get that stuff. And I just, you know, I went from, okay, we're going to have this time period where kids are going to come on campus from, we're going to only let in 10 at a time. And then it's like, oh no, now you can't, people will be gathering outside of the school. Let's have the social distancing of six foot. Oh no, that's not good enough, you know, because kids are going to see each other and they're going to run and hug each other. I'm like, okay, I'll do a sign up genius and uh, have people sign up for 10 minute increments that will let them come into school and go to their locker and leave. So we literally have kids one at a time. So I do that. I just get that all set up. Then it comes down, no students on campus. And so this is like in the course of like an hour, right. you know, the morning <laughs> yeah, before right. I have this all set right, up right. to go. Right. Um, and how hard that is to make those kind of decisions when the when things are changing so quickly. Right. And in a way that parallels some of what you know what we go through with things like transgender issues, LGBTQ issues. All you know, the landscape is changing. Right. And we're not always great with change. And so we are slow to adapt. And if, if this um, experience that we just have had, been having, uh, can teach us one thing, it's that, oh yeah, we can actually adapt. Right. And we can shift and make decisions quickly. And some, not every one of them is going to be perfect and exactly right. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people now studying uh, how we did the last couple of months I would with think so, yeah. distance learning and how the kids did, you know, and all of this. Um, and we're not always going to get it right, but we do, when we have voices like this, I feel like Sam's voice and Jen's voice telling us their experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's the most powerful. That's what I love about talking to Jen as well is just hearing her tell what Sam's experience was because even Sam wasn't always going to be you know middle schoolers they're not totally honest and revealing about the hard things well and what matters to them is different from what a parent's perspective is well and then they'll go home and they'll be more on I hear it all the time from parents you know uh my child came home and then they were in tears because something that happened and I'm like well I talked to them during the day and they seemed fine and they they keep it together at school and then right. they get home and it's right before bed they're their most vulnerable and they're in that safe space with their parent and then all of the real concerns right. come pouring out right 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 so to be able to hear about some of these experiences and hear Jen's um, thinking on it and and just navigating these waters, I think, is so helpful for us as leaders. Right. I mean, it's a it's a reminder of the of sort of the point that we've made throughout these uh, now four episodes. Right. That there's plenty of wisdom for us to gain access to, and we need to respect that wisdom when it comes from people who are middle school aged. Uh, as well as we respect it from the parents who are our age, who through hard work and tenacity have won a body of knowledge that we may not have. 
For sure. Yeah. So, given that, what what's the transition? What happens next? What is what is Jen's perspective that she needs to share with us next? So, you know, it's now Sam's in high school. Right now. She's in grade right now, nine. She's, she's, she would have just finished her ninth grade year. Got it. Okay. At high school. And, you know, in high school, at the beginning of the year is when she kind of came out to her teachers herself and has come out to more and more right. friends and family. You know, right. Jen's kind of extended family. Right. I remember the letter. Right. Of course. Right. The great letter. And uh, that started this whole thing. That's right. That's right. right? But, uh, you know, not everything. She still faces some of that uh, just negativity from some kids. Okay. Right. And so she does, she does mention that and her mom, and I think this is the hardest thing for a parent is when you hear about these things and wanting to come in and help. Oh, and for so, sure. Right? So Jen has a, a quick little um, bit to share about that. Okay. Let's see what she has to say. Our, lately, she's been um, taunted, like, because she'll like to mm. go sit. She'll either go to Starbucks or she'll go to the pizza place. And one time she was, like, last week, I think, she was sitting at the pizza place, and these kids outside in the patio area for Starbucks were yelling at her, calling her a ginger tranny. Mm. So, um, and I said... Do you want me? And she knows who, she doesn't know their names, but she said that they're in her, um, one of her classes. And I said, do you want me to help you communicate with the school about this? She's like, no, mom, (laughs) it's okay. She's like, I don't care if they call me that. I just, it was just annoying. It was like, come on, get over yourselves. What I love about Sam and Jen is how similarly they think about things, right? I mean, (laughs) The whole, you know, come on, get over yourself, right? right? <clears throat> Classic. Um, and I can tell where Sam gets it, right? <laughs> yes. You know, and that's all to the good, right? Yeah. Because what Jen understands is a lesson that I think uh, many parents struggle with in uh, 2020 when we're recording this. And that is, uh, I believe it is my responsibility to intervene at all times and in all ways and with all people on behalf of my child. And particularly once you get to high school, my belief is that the more a parent does that, the worse it is for the student in question. And good on Jen for kind of realizing I better ask and then when Sam says, what, are you kidding me? To realize, oh, yeah, my, I, yeah, I, I kind of knew that. And I just needed you to confirm it with me, right? Um, because what, what you always, I think, what I always advise parents is you ought to be taking a look at not what your adolescent kid is experiencing today, which will largely be forgotten in two days, but what they might learn that when they're 25, they can apply to adult relationships. If they don't have difficult experiences now, what do you think is going to happen when they're 23, 25, 30 years old without having had any experience? That doesn't make any sense. 
So, I mean, too bad that Sam is having these experiences. But we know from having spoken with Sam that Sam has a great deal of wisdom about this sort of thing and understands it within a context and doesn't allow it to shape her own identity or sense of self and is living her life and good for her. Yeah. Yeah. And just she's come so far in such a short amount of time. Right. And um, I think that at the beginning, or maybe I see this a lot in middle school where the parents, you know, want to save their kids from any kind of discomfort. Right. And I always want to, you know, I always tell parents, I want to know, you know, I do want to know if your child feels like they're being harassed or bullied, like, tell me because I'm out there at lunch and nutrition and I want to be on the lookout for these things. Right. But what I, but so often the parents then say, well, what are you going to do about it? Uh Uh-huh. Right? And I'm still unsure because I feel like what I do generally is try and confront things head on. I bring the kids together. We try and do some conflict resolution or talk things out. I set the parameters. You can or you can't say this. But I don't know that my intervening actually makes it better and i worry that sometimes it makes it worse right well i mean isn't it true that that you don't know going in yeah sometimes it will make it better yeah sometimes it will have no effect yeah and sometimes it will make it worse and i would think that by high school it is going to more often than not make it worse again from my own experience it's hard to know going Hmm. in and so what i will say to the student and the uh, and the parents often is I could proceed in one of three or four ways. What would you like me to do? None of them are better than none of these choices. If I had the, the best choice, mm-hmm. I would say I am going to do this because I have a high level of confidence that this will correct this. In the absence of that, I'm going to take you through what I can do. Mm-hmm. And as any one of these things might have the desired effect or not, let's start with a strategy that we all agree on around the table. And if it works, great. And if it doesn't work, let's reflect on what we've learned and, and mm-hmm. put in place a new solution. Because my struggle is, and this is you know why this clip made me think of it, is what a lot of parents want is they want the other child confronted and told this is not okay, right? I could understand. That's what Jen yes. is saying yes. to Sam. Like, do you want me to go to school and say you need to tell this kid to stop it, knock right? it off, right. knock it off? So of course that is something that I would propose to do. But then I then what parents want is but I need you to guarantee me there won't be retaliation. Right. And that is the impossible thing that I can't right. promise. Right. I tell the kids, but so often there is. And I think that right. Sam has this sense already as a freshman in high school. She's like, there are, there are dumb kids who are going to say things to me. I don't, you know, I'm not going to let them 
bother me because they don't understand, you know, they're not part of a community that I care about, you know, they're not my friends, and so what they say doesn't bother me. And I love that she has come to that place. Mm -hmm. That's hard-won wisdom. It sure is. Right? And it's not very comforting. Wisdom often isn't comforting. But she understands a reality of the world. Mm -hmm. And I wish that it were not so. Right. But I know that it is so. And I know that if I tell a kid to knock it off, and I'm clear about consequences if that doesn't happen, I might get a kind of compliance. I'm not going to get wisdom in the part of the kid who I've said to knock it off. Mm-hmm. That's the long-term work. When we were talking in our episodes about school culture with Sam, the best way to do this is to get the school student body empowered to the point where they want to live in a school where these things don't happen. And if you get a critical mass and you sustain it, you can move the culture. But a single principal saying, knock it off, Mm -hmm. is very unlikely to have the long-term desired effect and instead could be sort of problematic or difficult for for the student you're trying to protect, which is not the goal. Right. Yeah. So, you know, uh, you know, parents and, and, and other other folks listening to the show, um, I mean, this is how we try to think through these things. We want to protect your kids. We know that we're not superheroes and we're not magicians. And you can't just change a person or change a uh, change the culture of a institution with even a 200 people, let alone one with 500 or 700 or 2,000. Mm-hmm. So we, we're doing the work and we're doing it together. And we're in it for the long term. That's what the work is. Yeah. So we're... We're coming to the close of okay. our interview with Jen. Okay. And so I asked her what advice she has for parents um, and what she has learned as a parent with a chan- transgender youth. Okay. There is so much. Like, number one, just knowing our rights, that um, or the children's rights, that they have in any place that's open to the public – where there's a sex segregated area, whether it's a bathroom or a locker room or something, their child has a right to, to be in the area that for the gender they identify with. And um, so it means changing in the girls' locker room or boys' locker room or whatever. Um, Using the bathroom of their the, choice. Exactly. Or if they don't want to use the bathroom of the, of the of the kids, they can use like the nurse's bathroom or whatever. That kind of makes kids stick out if they're trying mm. to be under under the radar um sam was it's called stealth when they just live as their gender they don't like come out to people they don't reveal that to people so she was stealth while she was here for the longest Mm -hmm. time Mm -hmm. and then when she came out to friends um 
at the high school, it was great. Like in her dance class, there's a kid who's also trans. And so they make jokes together and whatever. I'm like, oh my God, come on guys. Like, cause some of them are inappropriate and I'm like, come on, you're at school, you know, whatever, let the school deal with that. But, um, so yeah, there's the rights to that. There's also that, and this is for, um, LA Unified also where you can change your child's name and have it be the preferred name and preferred gender, um, including non-binary. Um, in the student information system, it will not translate to the California um, database. Oh, interesting. So um, it's so that's that's a problem when it comes to standardized testing. Mm. What Sam ended up doing last year when it was during the math and the English testing, and the the situation the seating situation was different, so she couldn't like you know she was still afraid kids were going to say stuff, so she put a post it over on the top of the computer screen. I don't know if it was the right side or the left side, wherever her legal name was displayed. She just put a post-it there, a little post-it. It was no problem. So um, so there's that. And then the first time I got the notification of the scores, it was it, with her her um, legal name. And I quickly told <laughs> the technology person about it. And I said, she's never going to see it because it's a parent video, but just, you know, just so you know. And so he he fixed it, and he even is trying to work with um, the testing company and <laughs> trying to get them to pull whatever is the preferred name from the student information mm. system. But since it's going through the test operation management system and it pulls from the California, it, anyway, it's just it's a complicated thing. It, it may not happen, and you know, even before Sam finishes high school. Mm. Um, the other thing is like if a kid if a kid says that they're trans like get to either an endocrinologist to talk about blocking puberty or whatever because like I said you can block puberty you can unblock it no harm no foul um, when you add the cross sex hormones is when complications happen I guess the same happens for um, trans boys like if they um, never um, go through female puberty and they just block it um, then I, they're also sterile once hmm. they add the testosterone. Um, so then it's like for kids who are transitioning later, like after they've gone through their natal puberty, they can harvest eggs, they can um, get you know freeze sperm, all that kind of stuff, so that they can reproduce and have that genetic link to their offspring later on in life. Like I said, it wasn't a big deal to us, but it was just something that was good to know. Um, oh gosh. I think the biggest advice I, I got from um, our at-risk interventionist here, which was just to follow Sam's lead. Mm. And so, like, there are so many times where um, I wanted to say something, and I didn't because it wasn't my story to tell. It was her story. Like, when I was helping with costume fittings at the beginning of last school year, and the there's two moms there, and one of the moms says to me, so do you have a boy? Because this is how boys' pants fit. And I almost started bawling because I'm like, I'm like, no, I only have two girls. So it's part of the grieving process. And that's the other thing, like with parents, it's like there's a grieving process. There's also so much fear around it that um, sometimes, I don't know if parents we're like afraid to act because we don't want to overreact and, or sometimes we do overreact and never notice that we are overreacting. Um, the, 
for educators out there, it's like just here's my advice for them is like if a kid has a preferred name and preferred gender, follow it. None of this BS of this is your legal name and your parents gave you that legal name and blah, blah, blah. Because, you know, what? it costs close to $500 in L.A. County to change the name and the gender marker. So, yeah, so I'm, I really want to do it. Sam doesn't know if she wants to keep the name Sam. She mm. doesn't like her legal name. She doesn't like the female long version of Sam. She's okay with just Sam. So I'm like, fine, let's just change the freaking documents to Sam. If you want to change it to something else later, that's fine. But let's So that everything on paper is Sam and female. And then I looked at the cost. And then I looked at the cost. <laughs> That's what I love is it's just like, here is where the rubber meets the road. Right, like, right. here's the reality of what it is to try and make these decisions and navigate, you know, raising kids, right? Right, right, for sure. I mean, across across all questions, yep. right? Um, I mean, her, Jen, um, one of the things that might settle is, well, not this name, but this name, Right. It'll never be the dead name. Right. Right. Um, and you know, this points to things that school districts and schools might do to help alleviate some anxiety that families are having. I mean, it doesn't need to cost $500. I mean, right. come on. Give me a break. Um, and really anything that we can do to help move society and these institutions to being more supportive or at least less obstructive yeah is you know is worth doing and her advice is great advice yeah right and you know do do what she says yeah know your rights and you know be assertive i think you know she i think what's so great about jen is she she illustrates you can kind of get this sense from her that when she approaches and yes she knows a lot of this the people in the school but when she approaches teachers administrators everybody she does it in such a kind gentle way she's still assertive but she uh has a great way about her where she says you know i appreciate everything you're doing i know what a difficult situation here's what i'm going through that's the power i think anytime her sharing Sam's story for her sometimes. Yes. You know, that let me tell you what she says to me at night. I think that's what melts through uh, most people's hearts. Yeah. And helps them to really understand why it is so important that her name appears as the name that she wants and her gender appears. Right. um, For these, for people. Now, there's one thing that I think in this interview with Jen. At the very end here, that I was just kind of really wishing I could hear from Dad, right? Uh-huh. Like, sure, yeah. Over the last two episodes, been like, well, what does Dad think about all of this? I asked Jen. Okay. I was, I said, tell me. Her husband's name is Ted. I was like, what does Ted think about all this? So I got okay. a quick little clip uh, to hear about this. That. Is this is Jen Talk, on Ted? Yeah, me just saying, how did Sam's dad react to all of this? Got- when I got pregnant, like Ted wanted a daughter and then we did the ultrasound, you know, at the whatever weeks, 19 weeks, Oh, there's a, it's a boy. And we both, we didn't care. We just fell in love with 
the baby right away. You know, the gender didn't matter. And so it's kind of like it is even now. It's like the gender doesn't really matter. We just love our kid. And um, she's she drives us nuts just like any teenager would. <laughs> but she's she's amazing. I mean, the I the bravery that she has yeah. to have, you know. Um, yeah, but Ted's ego is not tied up in it at all. Does not care that she he's like me. He just wants her to be a good person, to find her place in life, to be successful, whatever that means for her. Um, and the same thing with our, our younger daughter, that like if she were trans too, and then we'd have a son, <laughs> and it wouldn't matter. It's, right. it, it's, I don't know why it doesn't matter mm-hmm. to us. I mean, it does in the sense that like we know the world is harsh. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Mm-hmm. But for us, in terms of what the gender of our children, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. My dad is 89, and when I told him, he was like, um, okay, that's, you know, how are you doing with it? Like, he was like, since he's my parent, he's worried about me. And then, like, he starts emailing me articles. Wow. And, like, trying to give me resources. It was so sweet. And then he says in an email to me, now, I don't know if you've considered this, but we all know, we've all seen those adults who we know didn't start out with the one gender, you know, that like the men who are now living as women with the really low voices. And he's like, and I found this article about puberty blockers. Wow. (laughs) And I'm like, already there, dad, already done that. (laughs) 